frame. But now, I guess hold I on. shouldn't. I, I keep saying. I know. Let's redo not... that. Redo no, that. no, I want to keep going. I just have a time stamp, I guess, of what time of the day it is. Well, we avoided the big, great uh, um, ice storm the fourth, I guess, right? Yes. Well, th- this would have been the fourth week in a row that it snowed on a Thursday. So it still snowed, but it wasn't as bad as the last three. Right. We'll talk to Jeff Faulkner from Mr. Blue Sky coming in concert at the end of the month. We'll talk to him next. Around minute 26, we'll talk Turning Red, Pixar's latest. Around minute 41, The Adam Project on Netflix. Around minute 48, The Truth About Pam on NBC. Around minute 53, HBO's Winning Time. Around one hour, we'll talk Lucy and Desi on Amazon. And then Lynn voted for the Critics' Choice Awards. Well, we are excited because we are having more music in our lives now that we can get out and about. And we have as our guest today, Carl, uh, Jeff Faulkner, who you may know from the St. Louis music scene. And he is now in Mr. Blue Sky, which is a tribute to the Electric Light Orchestra. And uh, we are, he's going to be at the Delmar Hall on March 26th. Beautiful venue, beautiful venue of the Del Mar Hall. Now I saw ELO, Jeff, I think it's now Jeff Lynn's ELO, which is Jeff Lynn's electric light orchestra. I saw them at Madison square garden on the second year of their comeback tour. So I guess that would have been 2018 or 17. Think it's something about right. Yeah. They, they did it a couple of years before the pandemic hit. So yeah, because um, I, I saw him on the first leg of, of that. And then th- six months before that, I was down at Epcot and I saw the orchestra, which is which features members of ELO, but not. But not necessarily because right, there are some right. people there, I mean, because they still need somebody to sing. And so yeah. they former uh, former guy from Sticks. They had a lot of and it, it was a great it was a great show. And they actually played uh, some songs that Jeff didn't play. So I'm like, oh, I, I got to hear uh, something from Face the Music that I didn't think I was going to hear. So that was great. And I so within six months, I saw a lot of members of the Electric Light Orchestra. And of course, Jeff Lynn was great because he did he did Traveling Wilbury songs because he was still honoring Tom Petty. Um, so. Mr. Mr. Blue Sky does traveling Willberry songs. Oh, do you? Congratulations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So Jeff, how did you get into doing ELO covers? So uh, you talked about seeing Jeff Lynn's ELO uh, on the, on the second leg. I saw them on the first leg of that tour up, up in Chicago. Uh, and that was about 2017, somewhere around there. Uh, and uh, I knew I wanted to dip my toe into the, tribute band pool uh but i wasn't sure what what band i wanted to to do a tribute to uh i absolutely love elo i I think jeff lynn's a a musical genius he is a musical genius uh but when i went up and saw them in chicago on that first leg uh and I, i saw that show and it was just great song after great song after great song um that made my mind up you know, I, I decided I'm going to do an ELO tribute. Uh, I wanted to do something in St. Louis that 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 uh, hadn't been done before. 
there has never been an electric light orchestra tribute in St. Louis ever. Uh, and uh, I certainly didn't want to do one that was already in St. Louis. And didn't, I didn't want to do another Fleetwood Mac tribute or whatever. <laughs> or, or, or another uh, Pink Floyd tribute. Right. Well, yeah. Uh, good luck competing with the those guys. Know, those guys are show. really good at what they do. Right. Oh man, it's it's an unbelievable show. But uh, uh, and I, you know, uh, ELO is 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 just a different type of thing with the strings and the orchestral aspect of it. So you know, in that in in those ways, it's just different than the rest of the tributes in this town. I think you know, and it's what makes it unique. Uh, and we, um, we have a three piece string section, uh, and it, you know, that's been the most, uh, challenging part of it is, is, is getting, getting the orchestral, uh, uh, part of, of that music, uh, sounding like it does on the records and we've got it there, you know, but it's, it's taken a long time to a lot of work to get it there. You know? So you have 10 people in your band. We have 10 people. Yeah. And it's a, it's a lot of miles to feed and a lot of schedules to uh, <laughs> juggle around, including my own. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we try to make it more of a novelty thing where we only do like maybe three, four shows a year in town. Um, and then we're, we're also just now starting to get out of town a little bit. We were in Chicago this past weekend and that went great. That was our first out of town show. Uh, it was an awesome crowd. Uh, they absolutely loved it. Uh, the owner of the venue came up to me after the show and said, you guys are probably the best band we've ever had here. Oh, excellent. Good. What a great compliment. Well, that's good for that. That's a tribute to your musicianship too, because they, they, these club owners, they hear, you know, just a lot of, there's nothing like ELO anymore. Right. Right. And then, you know, they're, you know, the thing is, you know, even like, if you look at, like nationwide i mean there there are only probably five or six elo tribute bands in the whole country you know uh with like bands like led zeppelin or elton john or even pink floyd there's hundreds hundreds of tribute bands around the country you yeah. know that do that do those those tributes you know so the there's there's definitely a, a market to be had with the elo thing because there just aren't many tributes out there you know so uh it's it's making our uh our out of town um our potential to play out of town more better you know well like i i know the guys in el monstero and they know like david gilmore is aware of them is mm. is i hate to say it, does Jeff Lynn know of you yet? <laughs> I, I do not think he knows of us yet. No, but uh, his his cello player, a uh, girl named Amy Langley, uh, she follows us on on Instagram, and uh, I, I I asked her to because she followed us while she was on tour with him. Oh, and uh, dangerous. I, I asked her to mention us to him, and I also uh, asked her to tell tell him to come to St. Louis because ELO has a yes. St. Louis, and who knows how long. And I'm like, it will it would sell out in like an hour. That's you know? why I had to go to New York City. <laughs> right, but uh, um, but yeah, I you know whether or not she got the message to him, I'm not sure. But uh, uh, Jeff Jeff's a busy guy. I don't, yes. I don't think we're I don't think we're on on his radar. You know. Well, they came to Kansas City, so that was it was close. But yeah. I, 
I rather would go. I, I don't think, I'm glad I went to see. I'm glad I went to see them in New York. I think somebody told me the last time ELO was in St. Louis was like in the early 80s. Like that's um, how long it's been, you know, why they don't, why they haven't, why they didn't come to St. Louis on that last tour they did. I, I don't, I don't know, you know, uh, but uh, I think it would, I mean, he could probably do enterprise center and it would sell out. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. Yeah. But uh, um, you know, getting, um, when, when we, when I started this thing, and like I said, I knew I wanted it to be something different, something that hadn't been done in St. Louis. Um, but it has certainly been a challenge. Uh, I didn't realize how much of a challenge it was, it was going to be once I, until I got into it and we started learning these songs and, 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 uh, you know, uh, figuring out all the different parts, all the different, uh, um, uh, string section arrangements and all of the and and the vocals i mean there's you know six seven part harmonies on all on almost all these songs because jeff lynn being a genius songwriter was also a genius producer uh and he just overproduced everything you know so <laughs> so getting it to sound like it because my goal my vision is to get this stuff sounding as much like the records as possible uh and it's taken about a year year and a half of a hard work and rehearsal uh and it also helps having great musicians in this thing which we do every single musician is, is excellent but well, you're uh, your violinist or do you say fiddle i'm not sure if it's a fiddle <laughs> band uh, or with this with this band it's a violin like if it, okay if, if we were a country band it'd be a fiddle yeah <laughs> well that's uh, that's what i figured but abby Stolschmidt, uh, how do you pronounce her last name uh abby Stolschmidt. yes i saw her when she played the star spangled banner before the fair st louis or i guess the vp fair parade mm -hmm. a few years ago pre-pandemic and yeah. she just killed it yeah she's she's a very good player uh all three string players we have abby stalschmidt a girl named jesse youngblood who's our second violinist and our cello player jake jake brookman uh and they're they're all absolutely excellent you know e equally excellent musicians um and uh you know that was gonna be like the biggest challenge of starting this thing was finding string players you know and it, it took a little bit but uh, i was able to find find them and i found really good ones you know so well elo fans of elo would know uh what the music but are you introducing it do you feel to new people who haven't uh who aren't as aware of elo during their heyday of yeah the I, late I mean, 70s I, and 80s yeah, I think there's a fair percentage of people uh, that were, uh, you know, introducing ELO2, but more, you know, probably 90% of the people that come to see us play are very familiar with ELO. Now, well, the, the kids know it from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I mean, the name of your group. This is, this is the thing is like it was a, a big lot of deal. A lot of people know like don't bring me down and they know like evil woman right and then they they come to the show and they they realize oh my god I've i heard, knew all those songs i've heard 80 percent of these songs because of the fact that they've been in elo's music has been in so many movies and so many commercials it was just in the super bowl commercial the song showdown was in a super bowl commercial i mean so yeah talking about hundreds of movies and commercials that their music is in so you know these 
even if you don't think you know ELO, you know ELO. You've heard them. So yeah. what does your set list encompass? Does it have everything off of the two greatest hits albums or so does it have your own favorites? We, we try to mix things up. You know, obviously we, we do all the hits. You know, I think ELO had like 22 top 10 hits uh, in America and the UK. Uh, and we always we always play those, man, because that's what everybody wants to hear, you know. Um, but we we like to mix it up, too, man. We'll, we'll do uh, some some deeper cuts off of like Face the Music. Uh, we did the we did the Discovery album in its entirety <clears throat> at the Wildy Theater a few, a few months back. Uh, you know, songs like The Diary of Horace Wimp, you know, which uh, they they ELO Jeff did that on the tour. Did he? Did he? Yeah. Okay. When at, I saw at, him, I don't know if he played it. Yeah. yeah. At the, they did Horace Wimp at Madison Square Garden. I'm yeah. like, wow, this is interesting. But then, as I said, he also did some traveling warboys. Now, do you just do handle with care or do you uh, dig a little deeper? We've done a, we've did another traveling mulberry song. Uh, we had Jimmy Griffin from El Monstero City. I know, Jimmy. And we did uh, uh, You Took My Breath Away. We did with him. Uh, but Handle With Care is kind of like, that's the biggest Wilbury right. song. And we don't, there's so much ELO music that we got to get to. Right. <laughs> and I try to limit it to one Wilbury song, but we could do five Wilbury songs if we right. wanted to, you know. But but we do, like I said, we do, like we, we, we do all the hits, but it's, it's also some deeper cuts, you know, um, like confusion, which is off of uh, discovery and calling America fire on high calling America is on the to-do list. We haven't gotten to that yet, (laughs) Uh, but we do. We also do like three songs off of the Xanadu soundtrack. Oh, really? Okay. So I'm guessing you do uh, don't walk away. Xanadu. No. no, you don't do walk. Don't walk no. away. But we oh. will. Get, we will get to that as well. Because so, my goal, my goal is to do the entire B side of that soundtrack, which is all ELO. So we do. Xanadu, all over yeah. the world, and yeah. what's the third one? I'm alive. I'm alive. Yeah, it's a and great album. The other two songs that are on that soundtrack that we don't do uh, is "Don't Walk Away" and "The Fall." um and so I don't, was, I don't i don't care for the fall you can skip that one. i love that song come on man come on <laughs> and, but you know what the first the first side is great too because suddenly oh the olivia newton john songs are fantastic as well i mean yeah, i i really them. wanted that play to do well so it would tour i didn't know it was a play i didn't know they did a play version. well no no they did they did a jukebox first of course was the gene kelly uh, Living Newton John movie from 1980, yeah. but then yeah. they did a jukebox musical of Xanadu that flopped, okay. and and I so, wanted it to do well so it would tour and it would come here. The coolest, the coolest scene in that movie is when the Tubes they take the band the Tubes mm-hmm. and they combine them with a band from like the like like a big band 30s yes. type band and they bring them both together. It's it's one of the most genius scenes in any movie i've ever seen that movie is kind of horrible yeah everyone xanadu is like awful but that scene is is genius and Mm -hmm. the music in the movie is obviously genius i i have it on vinyl still (laughs) right it's a great soundtrack the the elo music is is just to me like just brilliant all over the world oh that yeah that is so fun we 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 will open our show with that sometimes. It, it's just it just has that 
you know, let's have fun kind of vibe to it, you know, just get up, dance, have a good time, you know. Uh, I'm sure you saw, oh, I'm sure you saw the opening of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when ELO was was uh, inducted. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. When they did the Chuck Berry tribute at the same time, which I yeah. thought was a, a brilliant move there because that yeah. just really kicked they it off. A, uh, ELO does a version of Roll, Roll Over Beethoven uh, that we also do. Uh, do that towards the end the end of this the uh set you know well yeah you can you can make that song either three minutes or ten minutes <laughs> we oh it's a, it's probably around six or seven minutes i think you know but uh when we do it in st louis man everyone goes nuts because it's chuck berry and you know? it's a Casey classic yeah absolutely yeah yeah but uh jeff lynn was extremely influenced by chuck berry you know which is uh, why and- they should come here to st louis Oh man! <laughs> like I said, I, I hope uh, Amy Langley, his cello player, got my message to him because <laughs> yeah. uh, well, they would do good here. Well, you also have the show. You have lights. You have everything. You you create the whole experience. Yeah, we do. Uh, it's a multi complete multimedia show. Uh, lasers, uh, video walls, like smoke geysers, like you know. Uh, yeah, you know, it being, you know, the the name Electric Light Orchestra, light being the key word, uh, you got to have a great light show, man, you know, and um, ELO, any anytime they toured, like they always had a great, great visual show. So we, we um, and I, you know, for me, like my point of view is I want to make it, I want to, I want to make it visually stimulating for the people that come to see it. You know, I want to give people their money's worth, you know, and uh, you know, it, it, it costs us a little bit out of our budget, you know, but the way I look at it, man, like you're giving people um, their money's worth, you know, and, and, and that's worth it. The show is at Delmar hall on the 26th of March. Uh, Delmar hall. If you've not been to Delmar hall, it's, it is a fantastic small venue. It's right next to the pageant on the yeah. on the east side of the pageant. So it right. is it's right there in it's I would say it's U City, but it's actually in, in the city. So yeah. it's right there on right Delmar. The on the loop. Yeah. yeah. It's uh uh we did uh, a show there. This will be our second show there. Our last show sold out. So uh, I would highly encourage- I'm guessing this one will too. I'm highly encourage anyone uh, that is interested in going to get tickets quickly. If I did not have a blues hockey game that night, I would actually be there and enjoy it. I know I would. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they can go to uh, the pageant, the pageant.com to get tickets. Um, or they can go to our, and our, our Facebook page, which is Mr. Blue Sky, a tribute to electric, electric light orchestra. Uh, we've got the event on there. You can click on that and click on the ticket link as well to get tickets what's your background uh in st louis where'd you go to high school (laughs) (laughs) where'd i go that's the that's the typical st louis question right uh i uh i went to high school at bayless high school which is in south county down south pretty close to afton uh very very small very small high school uh but i've been in the uh uh st louis professional music scene for over 25 years um i started out doing all original music uh had a band called soul kiss in the late 90s uh we 
got some play on 105.7 The Point and, you know, we're getting, you know, had some label interest and all that stuff and uh, nothing, nothing happened, but we, we did some things that most original bands don't ever get to do. You know, it was, it was a lot of fun. In other words, uh, then I moved on into the cover world and I, I've been doing that ever since like 2006. Uh, I started my band vote for Pedro and it's an upbeat dance cover band. Mm -hmm. Oh uh, yeah. And now I've got a I'm in five different bands right now. <laughs> uh Vote for Pedro and then I've got two Pedros which is two of us from Vote for Pedro that do an acoustic <laughs> duo and then I've got another uh band called Velvet Goldmine which is all which is a, a tribute to 70s glam rock. So we do Bowie, Queen, Alice Cooper, Kiss and we do the makeup and wigs and nice shiny outfits and everything. And then obviously Mr. Blue Sky. And then I do, I do solo acoustic stuff. So well, aren't you glad to be getting out again? Uh, oh man. Yeah. It, it's so nice to see. Uh, it seems like anyway, we're on the tail end of, of this pandemic stuff. I certainly hope so. It seems like every time we, we get to the tail end, it, another, you know, strain comes along. Another tail. But uh, hopefully uh, this trend continues and, and we can, you know, get back to complete normalcy, you know, because, um, uh, yeah, I mean, when it when the shutdown first occurred, it was all all the gigs went away, you know, and it was it was a little it was a little scary, you know, for people in my field, you know, but uh, but it's it's pretty much back to normal now. So it's 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 great. Great. And I, I'm sure people are eager to get out and enjoy themselves. And Oh, man, and, uh, like you see people's the looks on people's faces. You can just see it, man. They're just like they're so happy to be they're smiling. And, and and, you know, it, it's a testament to what to what music does to people, you know, and how how it moves people, you know, and, and how without it, uh, we become like starved for it, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know I did, you know, I'm, I, I mean, as someone who performs, it's one thing, but I, I missed going to see live music too, <laughs> you know? So, uh, uh, you forget practically what it was like, it's yeah. like, oh yeah, this is, oh, this is a concert. Like yes. Well, we, I think we took it for granted. Like we took a lot of things for granted before the pandemic hit, you know, I think hopefully we've all learned not to take so much for granted. Yes. You know? Yeah. Well, thank you for being on with us today, Jeff. Yes. I'm I'm excited. Uh, unfortunately, I can't go to this one, but now I'm I'm going to go to the next one. I'm sorry. Please. Well, now please we have do. to pay attention. We have to pay attention to their. Well, I'll pay attention to your Facebook page. Sure. Well, you guys could just get a hold of me, and I'll put you on the guest list for any show you want to go to. How about that? Appreciate that. Oh, well, Jeff. thank you, thank you. Yeah, you well, we are excited. We are also giving two tickets away. Sure. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so go to Pop Life STL to find out more. Right. And then uh, what was I going to ask you? Well, one of the things uh, with the recent Ukraine news, there uh, people are using music as a way to unite, as a way to express themselves. And that's some of the most touching footage of this whole thing. Uh, there was a little girl in a bunker singing Let It Go in Russian and, and yeah. uh a piano player outside where people are huddled for warmth and he was playing it's just really remarkable how music can bring people together yeah uh what a what a sad situation going on over there um but um yeah i i, I know for me uh music has gotten me through the, the the low times 
you know um it's so weird like i i, I you know i I've been doing this for so long and, and, you know, when you're on stage and you, and you watch people and their reaction, the, the, the crazy thing is when we do a show and there's kids there, mm-hmm. you know, because you'll get, you'll see these kids that are three years old, four years old, and, and they, they're moving to the, the music is making them move. Like they, they know to move to it or they dance know how to, to dance. It. And it's because it's moving them, you know, mm-hmm. like even at that age, uh you know you see what music can do to people you know it, i mean it, it translates to to even kids that are that young you know and that's to me that's awesome you know, and that, that, that's why at the end of the day i think you know most musicians do what we do is because it brings people joy you know well Casey is presenting your concert your show yeah. Yes. So Carl Swarmer, alma mater. Uh, I know everybody over there. And I was, yeah. I talked to some Casey people this week. Yeah. I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to get John Hewlett to come out. Cause I know he's an ELO buff. He know? is. I, that's who he and I went to New York city together. Uh, okay, cool. Oh, you guys went up, went, went up there yes. to see uh, ELO. Cool. John, yeah. Lauren and I went to mm-hmm. Madison square garden to see ELO for the express purpose of seeing ELO. Okay. Yeah. He, uh, he and Favaz had us come in to their, their show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like last year to promote one of those, uh, we were doing a show at the pageant, one of the limited capacity shows at the pageant. Right. And I think John told me that while we were yep. Yeah. Yeah. We had a great time in New York city that for the imagine. two days that we were there, it was, it's a long story that John's flight got canceled and they weren't going to come. And then I made it happen. So. Oh, good, good. In fact, it actually, Learn tells the story. She was like, like on McKernan's podcast, and she told the whole thing. So yeah. she, wow. uh, she, she has seen Mr. Blue Sky and, and really likes it. Yeah, yeah. She, uh, uh, I tried to get her to come out and bring us on this time around, but I think she has, uh, I think she has her own band that's playing. She does. She's she's in a band now too. And if you're over in Columbia, Illinois, that's where she usually is. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, Jeff, so thank Jeff, you for being on with us. Yes. Thank Absolutely. you so much. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Well, thanks. And keep us posted on, on what's happening. And I will be looking for um, information for you. But yeah, have a great, I guess, do you say the bands break a leg, Carl? I'm sure I say, yes, it's I say break theater. a leg. Just, okay. I'm not I, I say that to so many uh, theater people. I just didn't have even, a good show. Okay. Have a good show. And thank you. And, uh, Best of luck. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, Well, you know, Jeff was just talking about kids. And speaking of kids, that is the number one movie this weekend, except it was going to be out in theaters, but it's only on Disney Plus now. Turning Red, which is a Pixar film. Yes, which I enjoyed much more than, yes, I do. My wife, okay, go ahead. I know your wife thinks it's the worst Pixar movie ever, even ever low. worse than good dinosaurs. What she said. I know. Um, that's why I went into it going, Oh, Nicole hates this. So I was, I liked the stuff about the teenage girls, about the girls turning from 12 to 13 and uh, all the tales of the, and of the uh, adolescence, but it does fall off the rails with the whole, red panda myths and family trouble and it went on forever at the end well that that's not the every single character in this movie 
is an idiot. And I'm not even talking about the the child. I mean, you give the you give some of the kids leeway about, you know, their adolescence and they don't know any better, but they're still idiots. Every single person in this movie, the adults are idiots. There is only one redeeming character and that's the dad. The, the dad is dad. The, the dad is the oh. only one with any redeeming qualities. Everybody else I didn't care what happened to them. And I know that Pixar and Disney animation are two different things, but there is a character that looks exactly like Mirabelle from Encanto. And, and I know that Pixar and Disney animation, they probably stay away from each other to make sure that they don't crib any ideas, but somebody in between them would have said, Hey, you know, you have two characters that look very similar. She even has glasses. I noticed that she has curly hair. Well, the uh, tell, the... tell I, I will say some positive things about the movie. Uh, my daughter, who is going into animation, said there's a lot of really good lighting and shading. She she looks for the technical aspects of it. She thought that they did some really good stuff with uh, stuff that they could not have done tw- even t- 10 years ago with the panda furs and it, they took the stuff that they did on Monsters Inc. and Monsters University and Monsters at Work on Disney Plus. They have made fur. They, when one of the characters goes, "Oh, she's so fluffy," you can actually see how fluffy she is. Oh, the girl's May May, by the way. Lynn, tell them what's going to happen in this movie. Okay, this is a female-driven show. Uh, animated uh, hour and 46 minutes, I do believe. And uh, the woman who directed it is Domi Shi, who won an Oscar for the animated short Bob. Which Bob. is a great, which is great, except for the eating of your child part, but that's all right. Yeah, that is kind of weird. But yes, this one is uh, set in Toronto. Yep. And it's set in an Asian community. And, and girl, it's also set in the early 2000s, which doesn't make any sense at all. But go ahead. No, 2002. Why? And, why does uh, it? Why does it take place in 2002? It doesn't need to. No, I have I have no idea why. But the women are very strong, and I do believe that it's uh, drawn in broad strokes. And uh, the mom is very rigid. She is voiced by Sandra Oh. She wants her daughter to be this perfect child. And her name is Mei Ling Lee, which may or may may. May may. And uh, she loves math. I love how she twirls her pencil mm-hmm. before math class begins. And she's, and, a, she's a great student. Right. She's a great student. And she has a, she has a posse, her BFFs are three other girls and they are madly in love with a boy band called four town, but it's five guys. And that's, that's very 2002 also. Yeah. And it's, uh, uh, I really like the animation of the band. It is uh, Phineas O'Connell is one of the five. And he and and his his sister, sister. uh, Billie Eilish wrote the songs for this. Now, hold on a second. They only credit Billie Eilish. They they only have her name in the thing once. And it says songs by Phineas and Billie Eilish. And then she's not credited for anything else. It's weird because Phineas does one of the voices of the band and they have, you know, other 
like Jordan Fisher from uh, Secret Life of the American Teenager and Livin' Maddie from Disney Channel, and Josh Levi, who was on The X Factor, they actually have like four, five different guys doing the voices, and Phineas is one of them. I really thought that Billie Eilish would be a little more involved in this than she was. Well, I was thinking the songs were very reminiscent of the boy bands of that era, and she's a huge Bieber fan, as we saw as in we that know. documentary mm-hmm. on her on Apple. And so I was thinking that they paid tribute and homage to the boy bands. But the, the mom is so severe and off-putting, and the poor dad is just put upon... Orion Lee is the voice of the dad mm-hmm. and the girl uh, when she gets excited she turns into this giant red panda and uh, her mother thinks she's getting her period and turning into a woman and that's a whole other thing that you might have to talk to your children about when if you watch it with your family <laughs> because like if you're if watching with a you, if you're watching with a five-year-old you might have to go oh yeah but then if you have a mom, that's in your house anyway. So I, I don't know. It's kind of funny at school because the mom's very embarrassing. The mom, uh, there's a boy that works at the Daisy Mart, Devin, and they all swoon over him. And so uh, Maymay was m- making uh, drawings of Devin and her, and the mom found them in a notebook because the mom's very controlling and she's very nosy and she keeps a she keeps a short leash on the girl. And the girl does uh, rebel in her own way. I mean, it's not bad rebelling, you know, in terms of an adolescent, their tagline is growing up as a beast or mm. teenage years are a beast. So it's all about that whole mayhem that's teenage years. And I and I enjoyed that from a girl's perspective. And then there's a mean boy that's the bully. But then when when they see her turn into this red panda, she becomes this cuddly, popular person. Like uh, everybody wants their picture with her and it's, it's all crazy. So she's keeping this hidden from her family, but they want to, the girls want to go to the four town concert and the mother forbids her to go see hip hoppers and, and oh, these uh, delinquents. And uh, so she has to scheme to raise money and scheme to get to the concert. Meanwhile, the family has this whole history of the red panda in their family and the mom i will say it turns into godzilla it's kind of <laughs> weird yeah. it's weird it's weird when it just goes into that deep thing like they're going to try to purge her of this i don't know if they would call it a curse what's that yeah, called it's a curse it's a curse but then she wants to be individual and she wants to be who she is and uh that's a whole other that goes into a whole other direction it's like the movie takes this sharp turn and then we're into i felt given the uh concert what was that concert in houston where people got killed yeah astral world astral world yeah given that situation given school shootings given all the terror that teenagers are really put into Sometimes I felt this was just a little uh, disconcerting the way that uh, because the boys are on stage in their little angel wings 
and it turns into this terrifying experience. Yeah. It's a, it is lower tier Pixar and Lynn, you're the site that you belong to rotten tomatoes. It's got a 95% and I don't, I don't see that. I do not see that at all. Well, I think sometimes people just give Pixar a pass. Well, they shouldn't because this is lower tier Pixar. This is Monsters University. This is uh, Cars 3. Uh, some people think Bugs Life is lower tier Pixar. I am not of that mind. But oh, no, I like Bugs Life. I, I know, but some people feel that way. I'm saying it's on Disney Plus this weekend. So, yeah, watch it if you've got nothing. If you're not a basketball fan and you want to watch something with the family, sure, watch Turning Red. But don't think it's going to be, you know, Toy Story or Wally or Ratatouille worthy. Well, this Domi, she she was a storyboard editor on Inside Out. It has resemblance to Inside Out because it's a girl. It's, it's, the, it's the same story. story. Yes. And I do think uh, in recent years, some people have issues with some of the Pixar tones like uh, Soul really wasn't for little kids. No. And uh, people keep thinking these Pixar movies are for, you know, the whole family for all ages. Well, this They're one is not... for the whole family. If you're if you're OK with your, you know, three year old learning about periods. Right. And and you are a girl dad. So, yeah. you've been through the and, and a teenage girl. dad. So right. you've been through the whole uh, teenage uh, years, which are horrible. I used to point to my the gray hair in my on my head and say to the boys you did see this. this gray hair your high school years mm -hmm. so i was a boy mom which is a whole other thing yes. but i just think the characters are drawn in in uh broad strokes and i do think not that i'm a, but i do think there's some things that like maybe uh moms weren't prepared like they're going to have to have the menstruation talk with their eight-year-old i was okay with that stuff it's just uh... I think there's a lot of things that are I would I would say stretching belief, but, you know, the belief that a, a 13 year old is turning into a panda, you already lose the expectation of relief. But if you're if you're willing to give the conceit of the panda part, that doesn't mean you have to give the conceit of other choices that this film makes. Right. And um, if you want to go to an allegory, Teen wolf. I was yeah. a teenage werewolf. You know, the, the typical outsider manifesting its anxiety. Yeah. But and, in, in a in a different way. And one of um, the big reveals near the end is not a big reveal. You you as soon as you see a certain character, you know, well, this is what happened. It's it's not a reveal. It's just, oh, well, that was exactly what everyone thought by just watching. So I, the only person yeah. that is any good in this movie is Jin, the dad, and everybody else is just awful. And, and, and he is so such a quiet voice of reason. And he just sticks by all this horrible stuff. Now I will say that the mom being so controlling and then the grandma being That's a just trope. Like, That's a trope. Yeah, not, that's that's nothing new with that. The no Asian I'm just tiger saying mom is not anything new. 
Well, I know because we saw it in Joy Luck Club. Right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, from that. So I didn't think I was like, oh, this again, you know, like we're going down this path again. And I wanted to like it so much. And I was looking forward to it. And uh, my family's like, uh, I'm not looking forward to this. And a lot of people are like, oh, this looks bad. But it's still Pixar, which is better than, you know, Boss Baby 7. Oh, it's better than Hotel Transylvania. Well, and uh, that and and speaking of inappropriate things and don't get me wrong i'll i'll do i'll have the menstruation menstruation talk with the boys and stuff like that and, and then each i thought because you know kids see the stuff for, like you said around the house and they go what's that yeah. <laughs> but the um the did uh, you didn't get to see Willy wonka you didn't get to see charlie and the chocolate Factory, no i didn't you know, i had a, a, you, you a blues game well, there's some dark stuff in that. Well, the movie's just, always it's the movie and the books have always been dark. It's all right, right. They kill but those I kids. I don't think sometimes people think, oh, it's a children's classic. Oh, it's whatever. And no. all these cute little girls in sparkly outfits were there on Tuesday. And there's some parts where you're like, whoa. So I know parents have to take responsibility for what their kids see, I suppose. But I just think if you're going into things like, oh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be happy-go-lucky. Not necessarily. All right. Well, let's let's move on to, uh, did you go see After Yang? Not yet. Okay. Did you watch Adam Project? I did. Oh, my gosh. I was looking forward to this so much, but I had too many hockey games this week and I couldn't. I, it's on Netflix right now, so I'm going to watch it this weekend. Uh, it's getting knocked for being uh, derivative. And I just want to say I had fun with it. I don't care that Ryan Reynolds has his lane. He's in his lane. They, he reteams with his free guy director and they made uh, magic with free guy. Fantastic. So this is, this is lower tier. This is what I consider. It's got nods to back to the future. It's got a little bit of uh, Terminator. Just a little. This, this was supposed to be a Tom Cruise project. Really? Yes. And 10 it, years ago. Oh, wow. And it has uh, references to Field of Dreams, which you would be like, what? Mm. Uh, just think of dads and sons playing catch, okay? Uh-huh. And daddy issues. But where they found this kid, Walker Scoble, I don't know, but he is the mini-me of Ryan Reynolds. And to see that is fun. And it has this time travel plot, which, as you know, Time travel makes my head hurt. Time and travel. Don't think about time travel. No, because if you start thinking about the wormholes and the and the uh, time lapses and the change in the future and everything, you're going to go crazy. So just go with it. This is the story. Mark Ruffalo plays the dad, and he is a scientist. He's a professor. He's a scruffy professor who invents time travel but not on purpose he is financed for his scientific projects by Catherine keener playing huh. maya sarayan and she is unethical she uh only sees dollar signs she is wanting to you know take over the world with the time to travel monetize it yes yes 
So she is the evil person. She has these uh, minions that look like Daft Punk more than Stormtroopers. But you've got that whole like, you know, I'm controlling the galaxy. So we throw in the time travel, which is Mark Ruffalo has died a year and a half before in an accident. So his widow, Jennifer Garner. Love Jennifer Garner. Her, her son, Adam, played by this Walker Scoville. He's 12. He's a nerd. He is bullied in school, but he's quick with the quips. And, and so his smart mouth gets him in trouble. So he's home at night and all of a sudden this plane crashes in his backyard and it's his grown-up self, Ryan Reynolds, Adam, big Adam, coming from 2050, the year 2050. And his wife, Zoe Saldana, is been missing and feared dead. And he was trying to hit 2018, but he accidentally landed in 2022. So big Adam, little Adam, they figure out who they are and they bond and they fight. And they go through all this stuff, but they save the. They are on a mission to save the world, and the kid knows video games, so there's all that. So it's kind of like a, just just this whole mashup. I called it a combo plate of themes, but you have the star power. You have these very good actors. You have Ryan Reynolds and this little kid being a hoot, and then Zoe Saldana, who knows a thing about action movies, Avatar. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. And then Mark Ruffalo comes in and just is, just gives the movie this gravitas and this heart. And it's about dad, a workaholic dad who didn't really, you know, and then the, the, the character of Ryan Reynolds says, uh, I was so busy being, because, you know, he was around when his dad died. I was so busy being angry. I didn't have time to be sad. So there's that whole thing. So we have a whole big part of the family grieving. So, so you have you have Deadpool, the Hulk, Electra, and Gamora. Um, I don't think I really don't think that uh, Catherine Keener's done any uh, <laughs> any superhero films. Well, wait, she I... was in Percy Jackson. She was the mom in Percy Jackson. That's kind of superheroy. Oh wow. Well, you'll appreciate the music because uh, I think everything everybody's following James Gunn's lead in uh, his music. Well, free guy, selection. free guy was like that too. Yeah. Well, they use time songs, and they have uh, Boston, Long Time, mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin, Good Times, Bad Times. Uh, wow, that could probably cost half the budget. <laughs> and then uh, Ryan Reynolds goes to the the drugstore, the town drugstore. And uh, you hear Cindy Lauper's time after time, after time, time on the music, which is I'm just laughing because I was like, oh, this is so fun because it's time songs. But it starts out with uh, the the t- fighter pilot, Ryan Reynolds, playing Give Me Some Lovin' by the Spencer Day. That has group. nothing to do with time. I know, but. Do they play they the Chambers Brothers? No. That's too bad. No, they don't have all these. Well, maybe if I went back and, and listened, they I'm going to watch it this weekend. Now. So so but you liked it. Other people are yeah. crapping on it and you liked it. Yeah. And and Kent liked it, too. We talked about this yesterday. He liked the whole family aspect. He liked the 
the love, loss, and coming of age aspect of it. Yeah, I could care less about the whiz bang, you know, time travel and the electromagnetic particle project, whatever. You know, it's <laughs> like, I don't care. But I just like the whole banter and the interaction and how clever it was, even though, you know, it's, it's Netflix. So you're not going to have the Dune budget. Right. But they don't aim for that. They don't, don't even aim it. for the free guy budget. You know, it's just, I have a feeling that Ryan Reynolds and Sean Lee, I hope it's Levy, are going to reunite for things. Sean also did a night at the museum movies and he yep. did, um, stranger things eight episodes and he's done a lot of those harmless rom-coms that i enjoy like date night with tina fey and steve Brown. i like That's, that yeah so i mean i think he's a crowd pleaser and i think families that are weary of this weather are you know if they sit down to watch it i don't see how people can't be amused i mean just don't go into thinking you know you're gonna have some epic you're not having an epic no but you can have fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a kind of fun retro vibe to it. All right. Not well, as I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it this weekend. Now, Lynn, did you succumb to the St. Louis pressure and watch the truth about Pam? I did. Oh, why? Because I wanted to see what, uh, how they fictionalized it. I did not see the date lines. I did not listen to the podcast, but apparently Renee Zellweger did. She uh, had to take her dog to San Francisco. And so she put the podcast <laughs> on and listened, became fascinated by Pam Hupp and started developing this. Now, it is Hollywoodized, but I heard an interview with the defense attorney, Joel Schwartz, on KTRS the other day. Um, in fact, Max was in on it because it was John Carney. And he was saying that they surprisingly, because it's six parts, they did take a lot from the transcripts and they did interview him for hours. And they, but it's, you know, Hollywood license. Like for instance, one of the crucial uh, pieces of evidence was Russ, how do you say it, Far Farias? I don't know. I didn't, last... I didn't pay attention to this story at all. Well, I didn't get in on it till the poor disabled guy was killed. And then I, then when they started putting two and two together, I was like, oh my God, Jeanette Bats Cooperman, one of the best writers ever in St. Louis. She did a definitive piece on this case for St. Louis Magazine. And if anybody wants to get the whole summation, the whole wrap up, how inept the Lincoln County people were about this and just the whole steps and then how Pam Hupp lied and uh, got everybody uh, to look at other people instead of her. What a piece of work. So uh, Renee Zellweger goes full, uh, what do they say in uh, Tropic Thunder when they you know, oh, when it's, I'm not going to say that, but yeah, no, don't say that. But that's kind of thing. But she goes, she, she, she gets, she gets back to her uh, Bridget Jones weights. Well, even more, but you'll never look at a big gulp of diet Dr. Pepper the same way again. <laughs> She's always got that. But uh, 
Glenn Fleischer plays Russ Faria, and he does a good job. He's sympathetic. I mean, this is a guy's life. He spent three years in prison yep. for a murder he did not commit. Yep. And that's what's the sad thing. The, the human toll of this is very she sad. She did. And I don't think that should be trivialized. Her daughter was on Channel 5 the other night and talking about, you know, these are real people, but, you know, don't mock it. It does have kind of a mocking tone towards Missouri Hoosiers, you know, because, <laughs> but as Ray Hartman said last night, well, it wasn't exactly our finest hour. It wasn't like winning the Stanley Cup. Right. But it's that kind of, you know, rural area. To be fair, when when uh, horrible crimes happen in small areas, they are unprepared yeah. for, for that because she was stabbed 50 times. And normally that's considered a crime of passion. Hmm. Well, then it's on it's going to be it's on what how many more times on uh, nbc it's on uh, five more times oh, and they only did uh, the first episode right right so you can see it on hulu if you don't have regular tv if you have streaming services so it's on nbc on tuesday nights at nine o'clock and then it is on peacock all the datelines are on peacock and then you can see the whole thing on Hulu. I don't think the whole thing, but I mean, if you're going to wait to watch all of them together, you can do that. Right. Did you see, I watched this and I'm very fascinated by this, the HBO series winning time. It shouldn't the, be called winning time. This, what, this is what upsets me about this. It should be called showtime because that's what it was, but HBO doesn't want anything on their air called showtime. They said, Oh, that'll confuse people. No. If you called it showtime, the Lakers dynasty. That's what they were called. They were called Showtime. So don't call it Winning Time. Winning Time is a dumb name for it. I hear it. Uh, I hear it uh, has all of the Adam McKay uh, quirks. It does. It does. Uh, it does not say it's not entertaining. It's got a great cast. Uh, John C. Riley is fabulous. As oh, the reason that Adam McKay and Will Ferrell don't talk anymore. It's because oh, he, is that? Yeah, because he went. Will Ferrell wanted to be Jerry Buss, and he hired John C. Riley. Oh, hired the wrong stepbrother. Oh, well, John C. Riley's fabulous as Jerry Buss, and uh, I just watched the first one. And Jason Clark, how tall is Jason Clark? Because no he idea. plays Jerry West. Well, I I. Since we don't have basketball here in St. Louis, I don't know that much about the NBA. I just know who these people are vaguely. So, well, Quincy Isaiah plays Magic Johnson. And I know he's, who the, I know who Magic. I know who Kareem. I know who these yeah. people are, but I was not a basketball fan. If anything, I was afterwards. I was a Jordan fan and wanted wanted to care about the bulls and not the Lakers. Well, John C. Riley was on Stephen Colbert the other night and he was so entertaining and so pleasant. He said, Jerry bus is the reason the NBA is like it is today because he created stadium entertainment. He was like, let's have dancers. Let's have 
uh, music. Let's, Let's have, have fun. This. Yeah. And Unlike the to, NFL. He wanted to make the, uh, the whole experience at the forum. And Claire Rothman, who is a woman who spent uh, many years as like one of the pioneer women uh, organizers, like, uh, like John T. Rowley's character, when he meets her, says, you're the first person to put a rock concert in a sports arena. Mm -hmm. And so there's these first, like he actually, because uh, he had to get the financing to buy the Lakers, he said to this bank, like, hey, I'll name the, the arena after you. He's the first guy that did that. Because now, every, mm -hmm. yeah, now everybody's got that. He's the first guy that did that. He also, uh, when, when he took over, the Lakers in 1979, the NBA was lower in ratings than bowling and golf. Okay. Think about that. Think about that. And now well, it's I, billions. Right. Well, when I was more. in when I was in college, uh, our star player at Illinois State was Doug Collins, who would go on to an NBA career and then coach the Bulls if yes. you saw the last dance. Mm. And so because he went to my college and he was the number one draft pick when I was a freshman and we would go to all the games and it was so fun. And, and he was on that Olympic team that got screwed out of the gold medal and everything. So he played, he got drafted by the Philadelphia 76ers. So I actually paid attention back then because of Doug Collins. And so when the Lakers started, because it's showbiz, and in fact, you were saying Showtime, the book, this this 10 episode limited series is on is by a sports illustrated writer called Jeff Perlman. And it the title of the book is Showtime. Yes. And they use that theme throughout the whole thing, but it's got this great retro vibe. Uh, they break the fourth wall. It, it's very Adam McKay. Yes, it's very big, short, like, and uh, it's just got this roster. Oh, Rob Morgan, the great character actor, Rob Morgan, plays Magic's dad, Irvin Johnson Sr., who is a who is a garbage man in Lansing, Michigan. And uh, it shows when they come out to the Lakers, Michael Keith, Caddyshack, Michael Keith. Wow is the owner he's a prick owner of the lakers who sells to jerry bus because he's going through this horrible divorce he treats everybody horribly he has magic and his dad in because you know it's the nba draft and uh they have them to dinner and he has the black help you know take the silver plates the you know the cover of the silver plates off and it's sand dabs and uh magic's like what is this and then jerry bus is there and uh he he's like can i just get a cheeseburger you know <laughs> and so jerry bus takes him out for a burger later and talks to him and he woos him and he psychologically gets into magic's head about this draft because this was the bird Yes, Johnson thing, because they both went up for the national championship and Bird won. 
and Bird was the, you know, star white boy in Magic, Michigan State, Indiana State. So anyway, Bird got the big money and Magic wanted to have as much as Bird. Yeah. So it goes through that whole thing, but it also shows the sleaziness of the, the late 70s and all that, you know, Playboy Mansion, uh, all the girls. Oh, the men treat the women so terrible in this. Yeah. I just kept reminding myself. It was the, the 80s. Time period. It was the 80s. It, it was 80s. That doesn't make it right, but it was the 80s. No. They're going to have uh, some episodes uh, directed by women, so we'll see if that continues. Yeah, but it's it's a good it's a good encapsulation cap- of that time period and how they grew. And they're actually going to have the celebs like Jack Nicholson, uh, you know, the whole that whole ilk. Well, um, maybe I'll look, maybe I'll watch it. I was entertained. I was I was just like, of everything I watched this week. That was the best. I did well, watch the Lucy and Desi documentary on Amazon Prime, and I will say it's fascinating. And Amy Poehler did a fantastic job. It's it's with such reverence and love put together. But the best part is Lucy's kids supported it and gave their blessing. And there's interviews with Lucy Arnaz Luckinbill and Desi Arnaz Jr. And that makes the whole thing because they talk about their parents' strengths, their parents' weaknesses, what happened. Lucy and Desi were married for 20 years and then they went on to marry other people and they were married longer than the other people, but they still maintained a professional relationship. Yeah, because they had Desi Lou Studios still. Right. They were the first people. They were responsible for the Dick Van Dyke show. Star Trek. Star Trek. Mission Impossible. I mean, their legacy is enormous. Desi does not get credit for being a a brilliant TV producer. I don't think. No. And uh, so this this gives him his due. When he was on his deathbed dying of lung cancer, his daughter, Lucy, called her mom and said, Hey, I don't know how much more time yet, but they had a, they had a deathbed phone call and I'm not going to spoil it, but it will bring tears to your eyes. Her recount of that whole thing. And just about, um, uh, I mean, their professional relationship was changed TV forever. Yes. And so I just think Amy Poehler did a great job. This documentary premiered at Sundance. Uh, One of the key things is it's written by Mark Monroe, who did Icarus, Oscar winner. And he did the Bee Gees uh, documentary on on HBO. HBO. Mm -hmm. So he knows how to put together a showbiz documentary. And he also, so he, he, he does like, you know, the political things like the dissident, and all that so it's very sharp it's very well written it's very thorough and uh carol burnett and bet midler are two of the talking heads and they were actually mentored by lucy oh that's good well so that's on amazon prime yes so you the caa the critics choice awards are this weekend and yes. lynn you showed me your ballot who are you pulling for uh, I think Coda, um, I think the heartfelt, emotional, feel-good moments are going to be Coda. I did vote for West Side Story because I just wanted to. 
because I uh, have watched a bunch of the behind the scenes documentaries in recent weeks and what they all put together, what they all achieved for West Side Story to be so acclaimed and have so much, I mean, the amount of months of rehearsals, 40,000 people submitted auditions. Just the choices Spielberg made, the script by Tony Kushner, but the choreography, the music, Rita Moreno's input, Sondheim being there, it's just, it all works out to just such a magnificent experience. So even though I think Coda, and I would, I will be fine if Coda wins, I'll be yes. fine. But I felt like I needed to put my vote in for that. I did, uh, I do think Will Smith's a shoe-in. I do think uh, Best Actress is still up for grabs. I'm pulling for Kristen uh, Stewart, but I don't know. It seems to me that Jessica Chastain might have the the little more, but it could be anybody in that category. Yeah. And then I do think Troy Kotzer is going to get supporting actor. And Good. Uh, instead I of think, Cody Smith McPhee. Yeah, I think so because I think uh, Troy Troy's got the big mo after the Screen Actors Guild. And then uh, the Independent Spirit Awards were last week. And then. Uh, yeah, but Power of the Dog wasn't in there. No, you're right. So, so we'll see. Well, I well, hope I hope Troy. I do hope Troy wins. I think he's better. But once again, I am not a fan of Power of the Dog and not for the reasons that people are saying. Right. I do think it's better if you see it on a bigger screen. And Meh. of course, Netflix, you got to watch it on the small screen. Meh. Oh, real quick. Uh, the Oscar nominees all for Best Picture, all 10 of them are for five dollars at the Marcus Theaters starting today through March 27th. So if you if you want to see West Side Story on the big screen, Belfast, Coda, Drive My Car, uh, Dune, Nightmare Alley, well, also, uh, St. Patrick's Day is next week. And if you want to see Belfast for free, you can at the high point. But you have yes, to register you, for it. Yeah, you have to register for it. Go, and if, if you don't if, have any plans, because, you know, the high point's right next to Dogtown. So <laughs> if you don't have any plans, you can stumble over to the high point and watch Belfast. Right. Wednesday, March 16th, 7 p.m. They're even giving you a free popcorn. It's sponsored by Cinema St. Louis. So go to their website, cinemastlouis.org and, and find details. Now, getting back to the, the uh, CCA on Sunday, 6 p.m., the CW and TBS are uh, lifetime achievements going to Billy Crystal. Okay. So that'll be fun. And then our See Her Award, which goes to a woman every year, is going to Halle Berry. And one of the things I like about our awards, well, usually they're in January and they are a good prognosticator of the Oscars, I feel, and much more uh, ethical than the Golden Globes. And uh, what I like is we do six nominees. So we have people that were left off the Oscar train. We have Lady Gaga, Nicolas Cage, Jared Leto, Denny Villeneuve. And so this will be interesting if one of them would win. Now they're saying, I know you're a big Chris Case Stu fan. They're saying that no Oscar winning actress has won without a SAG nomination. And she didn't get a SAG nomination. That's but because there's the always, movie's not good. Well, it's always a chance 
they could break it. But yeah, I don't know. Who would you, what do you think is going to happen? I have no idea. I, I am not good this year. I, I cannot say there it's last year was weird. This year is still weird. Next year we should be back to normal. And I'll, I'll have better guesses. Yeah. And well, we'll talk about that for March 25th. That'll be our Oscar preview. And uh, also this Sunday besides CCA is BAFTA. BAFTAs. Yes. So I do think Ariana DeBose is going to win uh, all the uh, awards for West Side supporting. Story. But I, I personally voted for Rita Morena for what, what she did to, to make the West Side Story happen. And uh, you should watch those uh, docs, Carl. I think I sent them to you. They're you really did. fast. And there, there are a lot of them. There are a lot of them, but they're broken down. But they're on YouTube. Cinerama is the thing. I haven't watched the Spirit Awards yet. I just, I, I recorded it, but I saw the list. And it's interesting, the choices. Yes. But our, our St. Louis girl, Shatara Michelle Ford, she was nominated for uh, Best First Screenplay. And... Uh, what was it best maybe best first director for test pattern yeah and that Brittany s hall the actress in that who we spoke highly of and think is gonna have a future she was nominated so test pattern got three spirit nominations uh, too bad they didn't win though but I, I, I was happy with a lot of the winners at the at the i love the fact that uh zola won best actress not zola but taylor page, taylor page. Yes. Yes. There was some there were some interesting choices, I think. Now the movies for the Independent Spirit Awards get uh, they have to have a budget of twenty two point five million. That's Ouch. the cap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the cap. And then they give that Casabetti's award out to somebody who makes a movie for under five hundred thousand. <laughs> but if you go back because Shatara Michelle Ford's movie that we saw last year, it was at the St. Louis Film Festival that fall before she uh, financed her movie through nine credit cards. That's how to do it. That's how Kevin Smith did the same thing on Clerks. All right, Lynn, where can they find you on the socials? I'm on all the socials as Lynn Van Haas, but I also poplifestl.com is our website and it's our Facebook page. And we have a separate podcast Facebook page and our podcast can be found in Apple SoundCloud uh, on stl.com, Ron Stevens's page and uh, what else? And then I'm in the Webster Kirkwood Times every Friday, I'm doing a story with the new artistic director of stages, and I've got great, exciting news to break about their Karate Kid musical production, and uh, that'll be in the Webster Kirkwood Times next Friday. So, Carl, we'll, we'll talk about that all next week, and then uh, I am on KTRS Radio every Thursday after the 10 p.m. news with Ray Hartman. You can find me at underscore Carl the Intern on instagram and twitter i am not on facebook and you can hear me on the mark cox morning show monday through friday and on saturdays on 97.1 on the second amendment great outdoor show and that same show is on sundays on kmox so i hope you all have a good weekend and st patrick's day will be nice and fun and i'll be at a hockey game that day so not having any green beers 
Yes, it's been what, 735 days since the first case of of uh, coronavirus. Was they announced it was a pandemic Louis. two years ago today, the 11th, 311 day. And uh, we, we had one of our last in session recording studio mm -hmm. because it was the it was the day that the St. Patrick's Day parade got canceled. Yes. But we're moving past that and we're hoping that yes. we're moving along. Yes. And we just celebrated our third anniversary, Carl. So thank you. Happy anniversary. So that's a that's an achievement in itself. So it's great that we're getting to talk to more musicians and we'll have some coming up. But if you want Bon Jovi tickets for what is it, April 21st? It's uh the Arts Enterprise for Life Center is having a raffle for yep. five dollars. So enter at artsforlife.org. Five dollars help help a nonprofit theater and uh you might win. There's two two tickets. Does that make sense? It's two pairs of tickets. Two and we're separate go, pairs of tickets. And we're drawing for those Carl next week on March 18th. Yay, so. we'll be there. So right. everybody, uh, be safe, be well. Bye. Bye.